Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode, we're talking about dialogue tags and action beats. I'm Russ Capasso. Joining me as always is Tim Letney. Tim, how are you? Because I always ask that, so I figure I'd just continue to ask you, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I was going to add a dialogue tag to your intro, but uh, I fumbled did, on it. <laughs> we're fumbling quite a bit. Russ whispered as he stroked his beard. Um, yeah, so dialogue tags and action beats. This is uh, like this is the nitty gritty of, of the writing, right? Yeah, I feel like this is the squishy part that there is no... I, mean, I think there are some hard and fast rules, but it really comes down to personal preference and personal style. What's your experience with it? For dialogue tags themselves... I yeah, mean, let's start if, there. If we... If we go with tags, which by dialogue tags, we're referring to, you know, character said or said character or, you know, Russ whispered. Yeah. Tim chortled. <laughs> <laughs> Shouted, uh, exclaimed, Shouted. you know, uh, asked. So that's a fan. I mean, going back to like what helped me kind of get moving again is that Stephen King on writing book. Yeah. And one of the things that he leaned into and I took to heart was don't use adverbs. Yes. So I wouldn't say, you know, Russ said quietly. Or yeah. Things like that. So I don't do that, which is tough because there are times and I've just come across one where I really wanted to get across somebody saying something quietly. Yeah. Without saying Quiet. said quietly. <laughs> Or quietly said. Yeah. Um, and I guess you could say whispered, but it didn't feel like a whisper. Yeah. Right. So it was somewhere in between a whisper and me wanting to use an adverb quietly. Yeah. And I was like, how do I get that across? And like, can I get that across with like an action beat, like with what the character's doing or how they're moving? Yeah. And I personally couldn't. <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. I just ended with Judy said, you know. So yeah. My experience, my first draft. Uh, so there's a. A lot of little uh, tidbits and tips I think I learned going through this process, right? Uh, first thing was, didn't don't need to use a dialogue tag for every single bit of dialogue. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> Which uh, I think, the, I'm trying to think the first draft, I, I think I overdid it, but I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't realize it. I just like, I think in my brain, I was like, I need to do this so I know who's saying what. Uh, mm -hmm. And then going through you know, second draft, third draft, I kind of picked up on, I was like, I think I'm using this too much. And then when you read books, you start paying attention to how they use it. And if, if you just have two characters talking to each other, it's okay to leave out the Russ said every single time. Right. So I don't know how you are as a reader, but yeah. for me as a reader, if you're reading something like McCarthy or, or other folks who use these dialogue tags sparingly. Yeah. Once you get to about four or five alternating bits of dialogue i get lost personally yeah no i do like, I, I i totally and then i start skimming i'm like who the hell's talking and you can't tell yeah but that's me i mean maybe a more astute reader doesn't yeah. get lost i i think i think it's a good general rule because I, I i do i have the same problem uh after like four or five lines i think you got to do a little refresher you know or mix it up and like throw in like an action beat to kind of like right reset, like who's there yep who's having the conversation but yeah no i i, I definitely uh run into that thing. The other thing we, you and I had a long discussion about was the, the formatting of it. Oh my God. Yeah. You made <laughs> me rewrite my whole, my whole book. I, I, I almost swore. I almost I, used a curse word. Yeah, you, I have every single, and I'm still catching them by the way, because since there are a multitude of tags you can use, I went through and like, I switched the orientation of before I had said character. Yeah. So as opposed to character said, right. And Russ thought, that it sounded like Lord of the Ring. I think you said, I, said Celsior. Said, or said like. Lord Loromir. Like, 
<laughs> it was more like a high fantasy or something. For some reason, it felt natural to me to do that. And for the most part, I was consistent with yeah. said character. And then the more I read of comps, you know, in my genre, the more I realized that I was not doing it wrong, but I wasn't doing it in line with other authors in my genre. So I yeah. went through and I switched it to character said or character yelled or character screamed. Yeah. But then there are some of the lesser used ones like whispered or something yep. that I, I didn't catch it because I did a find all. So now as I'm going through line by line, I'm like, I'm still seeing these seeing. vestiges of the, of the order. Of it's the funny. Order, Cause like so. the X, I remember we had that conversation and it. And for me, it was like, it's, it, 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 for me as a reader, it jumps out to me when it's, when it's said character. Uh, yeah. And the, I, so I, cause I did a, a bunch of research on this too. Cause I, I think I had it a couple of times myself and I, and I did some research digging on it. And especially after we had the conversation, the best quick tip I found was read through it and replace the character's name with their pronoun. And, you know, so in like that, in like, you wouldn't write said he said she, you know, and it's like grammatically yeah. incorrect. And I was like, okay, I like that as a kind of a hard, fast rule. Yeah. And that's what I was like, all right, I'm just going to stick with character said. Plus I just, for me as a reader, like that jumps out and it makes me like, what? That doesn't. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> it's so in the weeds and, and I can't say that there's necessarily a hard and fast rule. Like my gut, I want to say something like whatever you do, be consistent. That's it. Yeah. yeah I think but that's it. Here's my, the but is that yeah. I've read a lot of like New York times best-selling authors yeah. that use both in the same book. Right. So now it's it. not every other line, <laughs> yeah. but they are not as consistent as you would expect so it yeah. might be one of those things that we are like drilling down into the like how do you do it yeah and yeah. that there is a little bit of flexibility there because yep. i have been coming across it more and more that some authors decide to use both i mean for me it's just easier yeah to choose one and go for it especially if the idea is that you want to create this kind of subconscious rhythm in the reader yep. where they're like you want them to get into a state of flow Meaning like you want them to like be highway driving. Like they're not thinking that they're reading. They are just reading and picturing effortlessly. And my feeling is that maybe it's the wrong word, like the syncopation, like like mm -hmm. the, the the beats of yep. not like action beats, but literally like if you're picturing like a drum beat, like the syllables of what they're reading. Yeah. I think if there is a repetition to it, they're more likely to have those words drip away and they'll be more immersed in the story. Now, that's yeah. my hope. I have no idea if that's true again, but it feels like something to shoot for. You want to cast a spell and you don't want to draw attention to the language. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally just a marker. Like it should be invisible for the reader, right? It's just it just should be a quick cue to let them know who's who is talking. And that's why it's like also doing a ton of research i you know get a bunch of articles i'm rereading through and it's like yeah you also using the you know exclaim shouted shouted right. muttered whatever you want to use that very infrequently uh something i, I right. came across because i think that was something i also did a, quite a bit of uh i was like using that as like kind of a crutch to kind of it's kind of bleeds nicely into action beats but uh, using it as a way of describing like how they're speaking right now and not using the dialogue so what if it's like dialogue exclamation point and then would you say russ said russ yelled oh or that's or nothing. The whole thing about using exclamation points. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I think <laughs> I have, I have, podcast. I have one exclamation point in my entire book. Oh and man, I must, I think I, I think I overused them. <laughs> I, I have, I have one in there and even that's editor, it for real. Yep. I have one. And even my editor was like, she was like this, you know what? She's like this, this moment and what they're doing and what they're saying right now, this is completely fine. If it's fitting to the, to the, to the scene, to the moment. Uh oh, but, 
But again, no, don't, God, no, no. Tim's like, I'm going back. I'm changing I, it all. It's also just, I think it's depending on the scene and what, what's going on. So, I mean, it's. Can I ask you one question? And it's kind of related. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that I'm st- I still wrestle with. How often to use, because once again, you're going for clarity. Yeah. How often do you use the character name instead of the pronoun? It depends on if it's new scene, I think I'll use the character name. That's a good question, actually. I use the character name to set the scene to 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 know who's talking and then i'll then i'll move to the pronoun uh just so you know like who's in the room and what's going on so it's like if i have like three characters in the room because like i have a couple scenes where i have multiple characters and are all talking in the room um yeah so i have to like i have to highlight who they are um i think there's one it's funny you mentioned this she was just editing a, a scene where i have four characters who are all kind of quickly bouncing back and forth like conversation and that's i had to use the character name so you know who's actually saying it um, yeah i feel like sometimes i have like two characters who were women they're talking yeah i end up using it uh, more more frequently no that makes sense but also i'll do it even say it's maybe kind of like a solo scene yeah. or it's one of those kind of interior interiority scenes yeah i'll like orient with the character i'll move to the pronoun and then sometimes when the pronoun gets too repetitive <laughs> yeah i put the and that's just a feeling right yeah, like no, i can't that's... say i have a hard and fast rule it's just like i'm like oh i said she too much yeah let's put the character name and i have once again that i'm going by feeling i'm not sure if there's a hard and fast rule about that i i, I don't think so either I, I don't i don't think there is i think it's again just to if you feel like you need to reset so the reader knows what's going on or who's speaking you know, yeah. throw, throw it in there. Getting back to dialogue tags, I feel like nine out of 10 times I'm using said. Yes. And I feel like that's probably where you want to be. Yes. You don't want everything to be, once again, you want some kind of consistency and you want that kind of, and it's probably why McCarthy doesn't use them <laughs> at all. I have no idea who's speaking in his book. So he's a bad, I think he's a bad example for dialogue tag conversation because I don't know who's speaking. So I'm like, I don't know who's saying this, but whatever. I think using like the highlighted words, like, uh, I mean, I think asked is another one that's okay. Like you can use that. Sure. That one's okay to use pretty frequently. But like once you get into like, you know, the shouted, the, the muttered, the whispered, all yelled or whatever, uh, using them very sparingly. I can, I, I think I can. I can think of the number of times I use something other than said, even in my book, it's probably like four, three or four times. I, I try to, it's ridiculous. Um, I feel like I'm merging tags with those action beats, maybe a little too much. Mm. And I'll say something like breathed, like yeah, not quite whispered, not quite yeah. said. They're just kind of like chuffed out the word. Softly. And that's probably Softly spoken. <laughs> and that's probably something that needs to be a little tidied up in the revision, honestly. Because it's it's it should be a little simpler. Yeah, and I think and it kind of bleeds nicely into the action beats because that was something I wasn't doing at all my first two drafts. I don't think I yeah. I didn't because I didn't understand the tool. I didn't understand that and like the basic tool of using action beats, you know. Uh, and in, until it's it's called out, uh, you don't really see it when you're reading, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. reading a book. Like I, I don't sure I, I didn't piece it together until afterwards. Like oh, now I see this. Oh, now I get it. Uh, light bulb. Uh, but using the action beat instead of using a dialogue tag, like it's a good way to mix things up. So if you feel like you're using like he said, they said, you know, you know, whatever, blah, blah, you know, using using some action that they're doing can also solve that problem of you needing some instead of using like, you know, said you want to say exclaimed, you could be like, you know, Russ slammed his fist into the table. You know, I won't right. stand for this, you know, and like, OK, that's you understand like he's either upset or angry. Right. So you don't have to say yep. He said angrily or whatever. I mean, the reason why I love the action beats is because I feel like they are, if when done correctly, 
or effectively they're windows in to the character yeah it allows you to develop a character whether yeah. like they're biting their fingernails or something or, or twiddling a pen or, or whatever yeah and then also if they're not good they draw attention to themselves and i think they break the spell like that's why i don't think you always need them and i think you should probably use them sparingly yeah but they are super effective tools when it comes to one setting a scene setting the tone and then also i mean sometimes i'll use them to sneak in character description yeah you know whether yeah. it's like tying back brown hair or something as opposed to giving a full profile of what the person looks like i'll try to sneak in a little bit of character description during that beat yeah but i, I love them and that's I, why I it's <laughs> but I, yeah I, I wonder if i use them too much I don't like, yeah, I, I guess it depends, right? Oh, so action beats also can be, they can be a single word or they can be a sentence, right? So like they mm. could just be like shrugged, gestured, nodded, something like that, right? Like that's an action that the character is doing some movement or something, right? Or facial expression. Mm -hmm. It's funny because one of these articles I, I had pulled up about this because you're talking about breathed. Um, they're like, they have like gasped, breathed, laughed, right? And they mm. call out, they're like, yeah, these, these are actions that are done with the mouth. Uh, but um, mo le le many editors will say that you can't breathe or gasp dialogue, which is true. I feel like, well, I don't know. I feel like you can breathe dialogue. You know, that kind yeah. of frustrated, like. <laughs> <laughs> like Maybe having, not. Yeah. Or it can be like a sentence. So do you, do you find that you will do more like sentence based like action beats or do you find you use more like he gestured or nodded or do you do like a mix of them i think i do more sentence based ones yeah in fact i don't think that i do the other one at all really and maybe i should can you give me an example uh yeah nodded gestured something like that like some yeah i do that i do that a little bit i'm probably 50 50 on it using the action beats was like a uh, eye-opening moment uh, kind of when my editor called it out and she was like, you can have this be a little more dynamic if you use this tool. And I was like, oh, okay. This, this makes yeah. the scene way more interesting. And now I get it. And it's like, yeah, it makes it just, cool. it, it puts life into the, into the scene when you have movement and, and before, and it's also a great way of not, not being stuck with being, he said, she said, character said constantly. So I feel like so often when I'm writing, and visualizing what the character is going to do. I find myself doing stuff, whether it's mm -hmm. like making a fist or like rubbing my eyes or something. And sometimes if it fits, I'll include that, yeah. like what I'm doing in that minute. Mm -hmm. But but I will say that as I've gone through this now fifth edit, if anything, I'm taking some out mm -hmm. as opposed to adding them because I do think sometimes I have overused them and my characters are like, it's almost like a stage play where they're like, they're moving too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say my second, uh, my third draft, I definitely started pulling them out once I learned that I didn't need to have them there all the time. And then sometimes like, I, you know, you, you can't overdo the action beats Yeah, a couple here and there. You don't want it to be distracting. And if it's something that's revealing something about the character, that's great. And, or just to give a little bit of movement to it. But there was, I could think of one scene in particular, where I just had people, I think it was the one where it's like, I had four or five people in a conference room talking and I was like, this is so boring. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, how do I make this interesting? And then I think I overloaded and I was like, now everyone's just sipping coffee and putting it down and doing it, <laughs> walking around the room. Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of like fluttering around. I'm like, well, most people don't do that. Most people are actually just sit at a conference table and have a conversation. But, but then I was like, all right, well, let me pull this back. I can have one character. He's flipping his pen or something like that. Right. Uh, or one character is like tapping the table or uh, one's leaning yeah. back in a chair or something like this, you know, uh, just to give it like a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of life. Um, but overdoing it can definitely be overwhelming 
I think for the reader and a little distracting from like the conversation yeah. of what's important. For but... me, it's like if I overdo it and when I overdo it, it feels inauthentic. Yeah. Once again, it draws attention to the the, the writing, you know, Yeah. and the, like an author choice, a, a, a poor author choice that at worst doesn't mesh with the character. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones that I've just been cutting. I'm like, it doesn't need it. And not even replacing just like what I put this here. I have no idea why. Do you have you noticed that you'll do because uh, I was just reading this, like how you can combine dialogue tags and actions if you just have like the single word action. So like something like, uh, you know, I like that piece of chocolate cake or whatever she said with a smile. Do you find you do a lot of that? Yeah. Or, or I'll start with like, you know, she smiled and you know, dialogue. said, yeah, dialogue, yeah. dialogue. And then, yeah, yeah no, I, I think I do that here and there. Yeah, it's I, interesting. There's so many little tools to use to add like some. There is. Dyna- yeah. To identify one a character, but also kind of use it as a tool, like you said before. I, I think it's a great thing to reiterate too: is using it as a way to like uh, provide some insight into the character. You know, like maybe they've got some tick or something they do. You know. Yep. Uh, I had one character who was just like, "Man, he's got nothing." So <laughs> just like, eh, now he's a big gum guy. He chews gum. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gum guy it's he's like a, a brad guy. pitt's always eating something in yeah. a movie <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much it's like it, it like, loves apples and all of a sudden and then, then it became when i once i added it i was like oh this kind of ch- this changes the character a bit and, and i one i can use this as a way to like just identify him right but also yeah. i can use it as a way to like in certain scenes where it's like supposed to be tense and you got this guy who's just opened a piece of gum and pop in his mouth. He just feels like so nonchalant and doesn't give a shit about what you're saying. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I liked it because I was like, oh, this is this is good for the character to be so like kind of laid back, but this the situation is tense for everyone else. But he's like, I know what I'm doing, you know? Yep. Uh and I was like, okay. And I kind of kept it. That's I nice. Did, it's a good character did, trait. Yeah, I only did it like once or twice, but it was like in these moments of, you know, tension just to kind of show he was calm, cool, and collected. But at the same time, someone chewing gum, maybe it's his nervous tick, right? So, you know, it makes me think of, uh, I watched some, some terrible horror movie, um, spacing on the name, but one of the character's traits was that she always had a toothbrush in her mouth. That's weird. And I was like, this what? is so gross. She's just chewing a toothbrush. <laughs> Who does that? What is that? I don't know. <laughs> I was talking to Jill about it, my wife, and... um she i think had known somebody who did that in real life and i was like i guess it's a real trait but it's such a gross one yeah it's like just yeah i don't know (laughs) just bring a toothbrush around and chew it listeners if there's one thing you learn from this entire podcast don't (laughs) chew a damn toothbrush in public (laughs) keep it in your bathroom where it needs maybe it was cool in the 80s you know (laughs) back in the 80s everyone's just chewing their toothbrushes We can, you can get into like the, also the formatting. I don't know if we want to dive into that because that could be very complicated conversation of like where you put the commas and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll throw some links into like to that break that down, like how you would format action beats and dialogue tags uh, because there's a lot of little nuance to it, which was another thing I learned yeah. quite a bit. We're like where you put the commas and, you know, what dialogue is capitalized versus not. I was definitely making a lot of mistakes there. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's good. What are you, uh, what are you reading? I just started again, or kind of for the first time, um, The Fifth Obelisk, which you had recommended. Oh, yes. <laughs> you texted me the other day and you, you're like, I'm having, I figured out why I'm having a hard time reading this because I started with the second book. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yes. I started with the second book in the Broken Earth trilogy and I was like, this is gobbledygook. I don't know how Russ ever read this. It's <laughs> um, like, of all the trilogies, of all the books to like start in the second one, that's, that's not the one to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because you're right. It's an interesting mix of 
second and first person when she, where she starts the yeah. book. Yeah. Um, but so far, I'm I'm digging it. So thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. And I gave up on Vampire Lestat, and it felt so good to return that to the library. <laughs> Just take this back. I don't. I'm done with this. Once it got to like mother son, I was like 150 pages in, and it it became like more uncomfortable than the uncomfortable parts of hmm. Interview with the Vampire. There's aspects of those books that I like. I like the setting. Yeah. That's about it. i don't like the um it's just not my type of vampire story right it's it's very it's borderline romance yeah um and where i noped out of this one was where lestat i haven't even gotten to modern times which is like the 80s vampire 80s i was expecting lost boys or something but lestat turns his mother into a vampire and since she's now a vampire she transcends no boy the familial connection they had and now they're lovers okay and i was like i don't want to read this anymore <laughs> as as tim chewed his toothbrush as tim, chewed his toothbrush. <laughs> tim tim hushed as he as he chewed his toothbrush. I, I mean i have a hard time not finishing books when i start you know so that one was just kind of hanging hanging over me so maybe i'll come back to it sometime nah I, call it a thing about reading the yeah I, I i feel like cool stuff probably happens it's just yeah. trying to get through like chewing all that sand to get yeah. to the prize at the bottom. I just don't know if it's worth the journey. If you're feeling like that, just put it down and move on. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, how I, about you? What are you reading? Uh, let's see. I just finished The Curse of Chalion. It's uh, Lois McMaster Bujold. She's an author from the 80s. She's written a ton of high fantasy sci-fi stuff. I got a couple of her books. Friend recommended me. Uh, it was fun. It was a good read for a high fantasy, which I'm not typically, that's not my genre like I, I dip into it yeah. here and there but um i enjoyed it uh it, it got a little slow in the middle but um it's very like high fantasy political uh type stuff but i really enjoyed it and the the writing was just it was smooth to kind of get into so i uh, just finished that and i've just started the black echo by michael Connolly. someone had suggested for uh because i was looking for like crime you know mystery yep. i just started i'm like maybe a couple maybe a hundred pages into it, but it's really good. Uh, procedural, very, very detailed in terms of like the crime aspect, which is kind of fun. Like kind of enjoying that and kind of reading, brushing up on those, that, that those genre because of potentially a second book I'll be working on will be more in like the crime aspect. So but yeah, that's, that's about it for, for reading. We were just gushing about, we both saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, very, very much enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. James Gunn did a great job. I'm honestly surprised just because like the Marvel brand is tarnished i think of the over the past you know year and a half two years like the the pandemic yeah. wasn't kind to yeah and they probably weren't kind to their animators or, <laughs> or yeah. those or the board of executives that write the scripts yeah. so it's nice to see james gunn write a script and and have it not be tied to crossovers or toys or you know whatever yeah. marvel disney machine is in place and just have there be a a really nice story you yeah. know, it, you know, it felt with contained a heart in it. Yeah, it felt contained to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like there, this is it. Like it references obviously the the first two movies, but I mean, yep. it, it stands on its own. It's, it doesn't need to be this sprawling setup for fourteen other things. Um, what else am I watching? Start watching Better Call Saul again. Um, okay, never never got into it. It's really good. Yeah, as far as like character wise, it's yeah. very very good. It's like a very slow slow burn. 
or yeah. maybe there's a, maybe it's a no burn honestly yeah yeah but it's nice it's like a nice character piece all right so that's it <laughs> dialogue tags and action beats and yeah that was good yeah use them sparingly what are we doing next next time i think we're talking we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh the old ai and writing oh so can we just have ai do chat gpt do our podcast let's give it a shot see what happens see what comes out i asked it a question today and it was totally wrong well i mean the internet is mostly wrong also wrong yeah i think there's some use cases for it and i and i think there's also I know of, you know, some disingenuous authors who are pumping out loads of crummy content uh, to make money. So it'd be nice to chat to see uh, where we fall. Uh, interesting time, considering as of this recording, I mean, this, the writer strike is still happening, right? Yep. And then you've got this tool that can write. What does that? What does that mean? I mean, it could probably write a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have what 15, 20 movies to work off of. Just pump that into an AI, yeah. right? And just be like, write me a new one. And be like, all right, yeah. get back write me Ant Man four. Uh, so yeah, that'll be our topic for for next time. Uh, so check that out. Meantime, you can follow us on Twitter still, right? Writer underscore syndrome. We are on Instagram. Getting more content up there as we go. Uh, nice. But uh, yeah, so that's Writer Syndrome Books. Um, you can find all of our old episodes on writersyndrome.com. And if you want to reach out to us, uh, we can do that as well. Send us a question or, or whatever you want to do. Uh, and if you know someone who is a writer and wants to listen to two people talk about it and their failures, send it along to them. Otherwise, keep writing. Rust breathed. 